It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Well, the city of Kennewick will weigh adding a new position at tomorrow night's city council meeting. Should Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler be investigated by the Department of Justice after this past weekend's events? One U.S. Senator thinks so. And while Seattle is still fighting for a local income tax, another city will vote on banning one. But first... Give us your bottom line. It's your voice. Your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline. 509-547-1610. It is the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Happy Monday afternoon on this, the first day of July. Rob Francis, Ed Dawson back in the saddle. Good to have you back. Hope you enjoyed your week in San Diego. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Family went down there for a handful of days, and we did all the touristy things, you know, <laughs> that kids like and parents like, too. But, you know, SeaWorld, the zoo, spent some time on the beach, uh, you know, got a nice sunburn on my nose. That was beautiful. Um, and roamed around. It was it was a neat place. It was it was a neat place. But uh, good to be back on this Canada Day, by the way. Yes, Canada Day. Um <laughs> You had an interesting conversation earlier today uh, with the head of Visit Tri-Cities and talked about some pretty impressive numbers. Yeah, as we've talked about a lot on this program that one day, we're not sure when that's going to happen, but one day the Department of Energy money out of Hanford is going to go away or at least be drastically cut. Um, and what are we going to do? to sustain this region when that dollar when that when those dollars go away. Well, the city leaders a few years ago put their eggs in the tourism basket. And it has been a boon to this region for some time. Last year, however, was one for the books. President and CEO Michael Novakovich of uh, Visit Tri-City says the future looks bright as well. We have seen statewide growth in this sector for the last nine years, which is awesome. Um, What we're seeing this last year in 2018, it's flattening out some. And one of the things that uh, Washington State is up against, uh, we've got, we have stiff competition from competing states. We went, have gone without a tourism bureau, statewide bureau for um, the last seven years. And uh, Governor Inslee uh, passed into law the establishment of the WTA, Washington Tourism Marketing Authority. And I serve on a statewide board, the um, Washington Tourism Authority, WTA, uh, and they've been uh, designated as the marketing agency for the state. So what we have, and we've got a small budget for this, and it's based on a match. Um, what we have is some dollars to start marketing Washington. So uh, what we've had in this interim, and I think what we're seeing things flatten out is, we just haven't been out there where other states have been doing a great job. Oregon, for instance, um, Travel Oregon's just done an outstanding job of marketing their state. Uh, so we've got some work to do, but fortunately we've now got some tools at our disposal. And I hope that uh, we can uh, take this, what's starting to flatten out, and ramp that up that we start to get on a steeper curve and, and see this impacting our communities in significant ways uh, well into the future. Well, having said that, uh, still a, what, 7% increase uh, from year over year. That's nothing to sneeze at. 
really good. So locally, we did really, really well. So it's super exciting. We craft, cracked the half billion dollar mark, $560 million in visitor spending. And the, uh, the taxes generated up as well, $57 million with uh, $37.7 million of that being the state share and, and just a little over $19 million being collected locally. Uh, and it's kind of funny, these, the numbers are big. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's in and of itself hard to wrap your head around, but what does that really mean for me, um, tri-citizen? And, you know, the short story is with the dollars that the visitors spending, that $560 million, it helps small businesses not only survive but thrive. And if we've got a thriving business climate, others may choose to invest here. So not only do the the uh, entities that we enjoy, the, the retail establishments and the restaurants and the attractions stay open and do well, new things come to our community. So we have more things to do, which is great. The taxes help lower your and my individual tax burden because these visitors uh, come in and they're spending these dollars and that tax revenue that's generated, they're helping fund police and fire and schools and teacher salaries and help our municipalities take care of our parks and our roadways and all of these things that that really help foster quality of life for us. And then over 6,300 jobs uh, supported by um, this visitor spending. So we have employed communities, saved communities, educated communities, and a beautiful community. So it's a, it's a good deal. Big picture, though, I know a number of years ago, uh, city and county leaders and, and the leaders of the community communities got together and started to map out at least one pathway uh, towards success post-Hanford, knowing full well that at some point they're going to clean up the site and a lot of that uh, big revenue from the DOE and, and contractors and like would be going away. And I know that one area was tourism, the wine, the golf, uh, you know, the good weather and, you know, some of the other things associated with that. Does this indicate that we are on a good path and, and that we can, uh, we have at least a good shot at sustainability post Hanford? You know, I believe so, Ed. I, you know, does it replace all I hampered? I don't know that it does that, but I think it's a significant tool. Uh, and I think what we're seeing is our community has grown. We've got to that size where we're able to maintain, uh, not only maintain some really cool amenities in our community, but we're attracting them and growing them, uh, which is fantastic because there's more things to promote. But you mentioned wine, significant for us. And, and one of the things is our community's grown. Um, one of our partners, the Port of Pasco, Tri-Cities Airport, is, is growing you know, the number of direct flights they have and the destinations, which gives us new opportunities to remote into regions where we can attract people up here to enjoy our wonderful wine region. Uh, science, tourism, uh, something significant. We have some wonderful assets, a national park here, uh, and great opportunities there. We're exploring that. How do we really open up uh, the doors to travel to get people in? And then we're looking, too, at across the state, um, being a destination among destinations, being part of a, a tour. So when you have these uh, international travelers, for instance, they come in and they're taking an Alaska cruise, but, but they're on a boat for 10 days, but they happen to be in Washington State for a month. They're booking some long travel that were a stop for a wine tour. So they spend time, uh, spend uh, nights here in the Tri-Cities and go out in our community and enjoy all these things, infuse dollars here. Uh, and same thing could be said with science tourism. And as you mentioned, Outdoor recreation and, and golf has been strong for many years. Uh, the you know you can't the courses close down in Seattle. It gets uh, wet, uh, you know, during certain seasons. And in Spokane, there may be snow on the ground. And uh, other than our unseasonably strong uh, snow showing, you know, last year and a couple of years ago, we've got great conditions where people can come at, come down, 
and actually play our courses. They're open year-round, so good opportunity there as well. A community can probably always stand to add a few attractions uh, without uh, getting too big and, and losing some of the charm. You know, we don't necessarily want to turn into a Spokane, a Portland, or Seattle. Is there something on the horizon that uh, that maybe you could talk about uh, that that's being discussed? Um, whatever that may be, that might uh, another piece to that puzzle to attract people to this area. Sure. So one thing I think is on many many individuals' minds, uh, and particularly because there's been some talk about it and some uh, legislation that was passed, was the idea of an aquatic center. So um, with legislation passed, there's an opportunity for the city of Pasco uh, to put this out on on a ballot. Uh, in the future, and if this is something that um, the citizens want to fund, you know, we hear it time and again. I hear it in casual conversations. Um, it's shown up on community surveys that this is something our community is really interested in seeing happen. And it's, it has its um, uh, it's a lot of benefits, but its own set of challenges in terms of, you know, funding and sustainability. But I, I believe these are all things that, that we can do a great job of and make sure that we've got uh, foot traffic through the door and doing the right types of things. For Visit Tri-Cities, there's opportunities there when some of the uh, sports tournaments that, that uh, we bring to town, there's, te- there's families that travel with the, their uh, athlete, their young athlete, for instance, and it might be mom or dad and the siblings are looking for something to do, and we've actually had requests from these tournament planners um, for something like an aquatics park. Do you have something where families can spend time? The other piece of that is, is if there was uh, ever competitive lanes that were added to an aquatic park, then we're attracting uh, our sports development departments going out and we're bringing tournaments for competitive swimming to our community. So good opportunities there. And again, all of these activities are putting dollars into our community. Uh, so it's, it's a good, good deal, good return. How close are you guys keeping an eye on the developments in Franklin County, north of uh, Pasco, the recent purchase by the Colville tribe, uh, an area in and around King City? a timely question at the tail end of this last week i was talking to one of my colleagues and getting some contact information to reach out uh, and just uh just do some introductions uh, and see how it is we can best uh help and if there's any information we can provide and then i'm hoping to be in that communication loop uh, when we're in the know and and if there's opportunities for us to feed into that and drive economic into the community that's exactly what we want to do again president ceo of visit tri-cities michael novakovich future looks pretty bright. Rob, 547-1610. If you'd like to join the conversation, 509-547-1610. This is The Bottom Line on News Radio 610-KONA. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of The Bottom Line on News Radio 610-KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. You can email us, too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. You know, it's that was a really great interview with Michael Novakovich because I think one of the things that people in our community worry about, of course, it's, it's when, how many, I mean, it's not going to be for a while yet, but... But when that begins to happen, when that that federal money starts to wean away, communities that go by the wayside or communities that do not have a forward-thinking vision as to how to uh, either maintain 
attract uh, or be able to inspire people and businesses to come to a community. Um, there are a lot of ghost towns in the United States. That were former federal projects. Yes. There are a lot of, uh, there. well, there are a lot of towns that were major rail hubs that were, uh, that were very significant and thriving during particular booms in the history of the United States, former gold mining towns, and so on and so forth, that just did not have enough of a vision looking forward to be able to maintain the population, attract other viable businesses when that main hub of an industry went away. And I think it is fair to say that this is something that has been in the works since I would go as far back, or at least people in this community have, have begun to develop this this vision going as far back as to when the really bad recession hit here in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And That was kind of the wake-up call. Yeah, and that leaders in this community started to prepare for the future. Now... I think when you take a look at some of the industries that have come in here, you look at the growth in the service industry Mm -hmm. in the Tri-Cities. It has been significant. You look at the increase in tourism, you know, the amount of hotels that have gone up around here over the course of the last decade and a half. Well, even just in the last couple of years. Even just the last couple of years. So the, the, the goal is to take advantage of what we have and mm-hmm. what we have is a beautiful community that is has wonderful temperatures 10 months out of the year that offers a lot for people that like outdoor activities that like to golf that like the river that you know we really do have a lot to offer and so that vision that was put into place is really seeing a payoff because I think right now it's fair to say that if Hanford were to go away in the next 25 years, it won't. But in the next 25 years, we're not going to bottom out. Even in 25 years, this community is not going to bottom out. And let's be clear. No, no amount of tourism dollars alone is going to replace the Hanford money Uh, that would go away eventually. But it, we are definitely on a good trajectory to to lessen the blow big time. I'll tell you, though, and I'll go back to my family's vacation last week, okay? The, the thing that I think that is lacking in this community, and we've, we've done shows on this. You know, what would you like to see? And people come up with restaurants and businesses and different things. The thing that I feel this community is lacking, and you you hit on all the wonderful things, outdoor activities, the the rivers, the hiking, the biking, the boating, all that stuff. We know about the wine industry booming, um, golf, you know, all those outdoor things, wonderful. I feel, and yes, this comes from a position of many summer vacations with younger kids, we are lacking a destination spot for families. I mean, we are. If we had something like that 
to draw people in from surrounding areas, to draw in families, I, I think I think that would be a huge boost. You know, some people have mentioned, uh, and there's one on the west side, uh, Great Wolf Lodge. Okay, uh, I've been there once. I, it was good. Uh, it was. I don't know that I'm necessarily promoting that particular thing, but something like that, where people will come in to the area to do that activity, stay a long weekend or maybe even a whole week, any time during the year, even when it's cold outside, you know, it's all self-contained. That, you know, and I know what people are going to say, well, if it's all self-contained, how are we going to see any of the tax dollars? Well, the businesses get, the business gets taxed. Yes. And, you know, people still have to gas up before they leave and, you know, all that other stuff. But something like that, something for families, you know, I, I, again, just coming off of a, a trip to San Diego, I'm not saying we need a, a SeaWorld or a, or a zoo, you know, would that be nice? Sure, that would be great. But, you know, being realistic, but something to attract families, 547-1610-509-547-1610, you know, I know how I how much I spent my wife and I spent uh, on vacation last week, and a lot of it was in these destinations for families uh, where, you know, the kids want a T-shirt and the kids want a stuffed animal. And, you know, pretty soon, you know, you've spent a lot of money. Imagine th- us being able to talk about something like that here, whatever that happens to be. You know, I think one of the things, too, when I first moved out here, there were some events that were yearly events that the community banked on or, or the local leaders banked on. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, those events got a little smaller or they didn't come as many times a year as they used to. And instead of panicking, okay, well, how do we replace that revenue? How do we find other things to replace that revenue? And then talk of a convention center started coming uh-huh. and the building of the convention center and then adding more hotels and then Road 68, building more hotels out there and, and everything. Else. And it just became this, you know what? The only way we're going to get it is if we do it. Uh-huh. And the community and, and a lot of the business leaders in the community and those with the vision in the community have been very proactive in making sure that we continue to grow in these avenues and grow down this path so that when that day comes, this community is not going to suffer the fates of so many others that were simply not prepared for the losses, even though they were on the horizon. Over $560 million spent in tourism dollars. Incredible. Last year in the Tri-Cities. Great job to visit Tri-Cities. Great job to the Chambers. Great job to all those who had a hand in creating that revenue. You guys are doing a remarkable job. And they're not done yet. Nope. Michael Novakovich says uh, even better things are are on the horizon. They're very excited down there about uh, the things that are going on. We're excited, too, because we've got more to talk about on the bottom line coming up. We'll dive into our poll question right after this.
The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. Back in the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610. If you'd like to get involved in the program via email, 610-KONA.com. And on Twitter, bottom line 610. And, you know, one of the things that's always a big sign of a vibrant community, Ed, is a booming housing market. And that's what we've got right now. We have got one heck of a housing market going on. We've got houses available. We've got houses selling. We've got them going on the market uh, every time you turn around. And it could be enough to make your head spin with as fast as houses are selling around here. So if you're thinking about selling or you're thinking about buying and then selling what you have right now, Give one of the most knowledgeable realtors in town a call. That's Jennifer Mons with Windermere Realty. Visit her website, jennifermonsmonds.com. Jennifer comes from a real estate family, knows the ins and outs of the buying and selling process, especially when markets are as busy as this one. And she's also moved around a lot being as part of a military family. So she can help you with questions about the moving process. She can also do a lot of that heavy lifting, especially in a crazy housing market when it comes to buying and selling. Visit her website, see what she's got available right now. You may find the perfect home on our website, jennifermonds.com. That's M-O-N-D-S dot com. So one of the big questions that we have been following for some time, Ed, is the Seattle the city of Seattle's desire to have a income tax. Yeah. Uh, they're saying it's a test case to see if the state Supreme Court will actually uh, overrule the Constitution because we know the voters aren't going to do it. and The lawmakers are too chicken to do it on the uh, left side of the aisle uh, as far as making that step forward because they'll all be swept out of office pretty quickly. So they want the courts to do the dirty work for them. However... With one city's desire to have an income tax comes other cities' desires to not. Yes. Now, in 2017, you may remember, because we did talk about this, um, when Seattle initially put this forward, imposing an illegal local income tax. Spokane even had their own issue with a taxing situation where a tax that they imposed was ruled illegal because it didn't tax everyone equally. It only taxed certain members of the community. Mm -hmm. So that was found illegal and thrown out. However, Spokane is now looking to amend the city's charter to prohibit any possibility of a local income tax. Initiative 2019-2 has qualified for the November ballot. So, if the voters in the city of Spokane approve Proposition 2, taxpayers will be protected and it will ensure future regional competitiveness by prohibiting the city from putting in an income tax. It also would prevent them from adding a city business and occupation tax. Our poll question for you today at bottom line 610 and at 610 K1A radio, Spokane City Council going 180 degrees from Seattle and proposing a ban on a local income tax. 
should cities against income taxes pass these measures in case the state Supreme Court sides with Seattle? And that's what it is. It's an insurance policy for if the court wants to reverse something that's been in place for a long time, and that being a ban on a state income tax. But does that does that trickle down to the city level? You know, we've talked about that, right? I mean, there was talk this last legislative session that the Democrats might try to push for an income tax. Uh, it never came to fruition uh, for many reasons, and we covered them already. But th- this is where a individual municipality, a city, is trying to do an income tax. How far-reaching is the language in the state statute? You know, can a city or a county implement a income tax if it is, in fact, you know, fair and, and even, if you will? It doesn't target one particular group or you know, different amounts of of money that's being made by individuals and corporations. That's my question. Is this this necessary? 547-1610-509-547-1610 here on the bottom line. It's necessary because we know how things are trending on the west side of the state. And even though there is almost 100 years of solid precedent that has not wavered at the state Supreme Court level regarding income taxes, that doesn't mean a court, the one that we have now, which we have seen make more activist-oriented decisions than any previous court, could change that precedent. If it does, then of course you would be looking at certain state lawmakers now trying to jump on the income tax bandwagon. By putting these measures in place, the city has the opportunity to argue exemption based on grandfathering capability. Yes. I think just about every community, certainly east of the Cascades, We'll be watching this vote very closely um, to see what people in Spokane think about it. And we know that Spokane is a bit of an anomaly. It's a large city, but it's in a rural part of the state. So you do have a mix of representation, uh, R's and D's at the state level. I don't think it's it's fair to say that since it is a large city that for sure it's liberal or it's democratic stronghold. Um it's it's pretty mixed. Although now, it although it is changing. It used to be much more conservative. Even looking at their their city council used to be all conservatives uh on the city council and that has changed. Now Spokane is the second largest city True. In the state of Washington. Okay, it's about 470,000 short of Seattle, 
but it is the second largest city in the state of Washington. What kind of message does it send when the second largest city says we don't want to have anything to do with this? It sends a pretty good-sized message. Now, county-wise, far, far, far short of what the population of King County is versus the population of Spokane County. Yeah. However, when you're talking about a state that doesn't have a city that has a population over a million, far cry from a million, as dense as Seattle is, there's 684,000, 685,000 people, we'll call it, that live in the city itself. In the city, yes. In the city itself. Yes. There are six, about 685,000 people. So we don't have a city in the state of Washington that has close to a million people in it. Yet we've got a very good economy. We don't need to be increasing taxes at the rate that we're increasing taxes at the state level. And we sure don't need to be increasing taxes at the local level in any way, shape, or form when many communities, like ours, are enjoying very good revenues. In fact, if anything, we should be looking at what the tax situations are at the county and city levels and looking to see are we asking for too much here Can we reapportion over here, or can we actually do away with a portion of a tax in this instance so that we can give our taxpayers a break? Because even looking at the forecasts and the the, the projections, we're going to be just fine if we cut off a tenth of a percent here or slide a tenth of a percent over to try and create something that we've got a need for that we're not funding right now. You want to talk about being progressive and forward-thinking, be the first community that actually cuts taxes. I don't know that it's ever happened in the history of the world. (laughs) I'm joking. But, you know, everybody is so worried about losing their funding that, you know... That just happened last year. Yeah. We cut taxes. At the federal level. Yes. No, I mean, I'm talking about local and state here. I'm, I'm talking about locally and and statewide actually cutting the tax burden that would tell you right now i'll bet you that i could look if i looked up all of the taxes that are currently being leveled in benton county i'll bet you that i could find a place to either cut or reapportion to either better fund something that is is lacking funding or address something that may have a need that isn't being addressed right now. I guarantee you I can find something. Well, At I, least one thing, maybe more than one. Well, I, it, this goes back to a previous topic that we've discussed many times on this program, and that's the public safety sales tax. You know, people are a little bit gun-shy, uh, you know, after that kind of fiasco that we've had. With, with that tax uh, burden, I would imagine that if our communities, whether it be city or county, um, in and around our area, tried to do a proposition similar to Spokane's, it would pass. Oh, e- absolutely easily. it would pass. Easily. Absolutely it would pass. I don't, I don't have any question that it would pass. And the thing is, that is a city-oriented thing because I don't know of too many counties 
that have income taxes. No. I think they're mainly it's it's mainly a city oriented proposal mm-hmm. uh, or a state oriented proposal to where you have an income tax. Well, there's plenty of other wonderful taxes out there, just not an income tax. Yes. And by wonderful I mean awful. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna take a quick time out, come back with more of the bottom line news radio six ten K O A. Your thoughts on our poll question for today. Spokane City Council looking to go 180 degrees from Seattle, proposing a ban on local income tax. Should cities against income taxes pass these measures in case the state Supreme Court sides with Seattle? Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. 547 You can email us, too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comment. The city of Spokane might very well get a chance to vote on a proposition. Uh, basically, it's an insurance policy. If things ever were to change in the state of Washington through state Supreme Court decision or what have you, where the no income tax uh, blanket that we've been able to enjoy all these years goes away. 5471610, is this something that maybe local lawmakers should consider? Well, I'll tell you what, it specifically targets income tax. Yes. Okay. And that is that is the hot one for most people, is, is income tax. Nobody in the state of Washington wants an income tax. So if the local municipalities that already have a taxing construct and know where they're going to go to look for additional revenue and don't have this in their projection in any way, shape, or form because they know what the backlash is going to be, go ahead and do it. You may as well. Because not only that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to insulate the area, and to top it off, it's going to really look really good when you run for re-election. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oh, James in Kennewick. What's up, James? Hey, I got a, I got a thought. Um, I could talk about the uh, Democrat convention, right, or that um, debate. Sure, if you want to. Uh, I had a thought over the weekend. Instead of talking about who won the debate, we discussed who lost the debate. And then at the end of the debate, they have a uh, like 800 Democrats and all nine people on there uh, online. And they say, who lost the debate? You call up the 800 Democrats and you punch the number corresponding to the one you, you think that did the worst. Whoever loses, they are stripped of the title Democrat and they have to run as an independent. And whoever got no votes gets to move up to the big boys table. Hmm. Interesting theory. Interesting I, I, I like where he was starting to go with that, um, you know, in in holding maybe a mini uh, primary after, you know, we could whittle this down after each of the debate sessions. You notice one thing we haven't heard? Hmm. Anybody dropping out. That's where I was going with that is, you know, if you if you said, you know, however you frame it, if, you know, it, the caller said, you know, whom, who lost the debate and whoever got the most votes as being the biggest loser, I guess, of the of the first round of debates, maybe had to suspend their campaign. That'd be something. Uh, I mean, that would be 
a bit of a mini primary, if you will. Um, of course, you know, nobody, nobody that can do anything about that would do anything about that. That's only a good idea for us minions out here in the in the real world. By the way, the biggest loser from the two nights of debates was the American flag because there wasn't one to be seen anywhere. Nowhere. Not a not a not a one. Not a one. Not yeah. a single sign of an American flag. So if anybody's wondering Yeah. <laughs> no pictures. No no American flags anywhere. How do you how do you run how do you sit there? Or stand there and say you want to be the president of a country where there's no flag present yeah. anywhere at all. Yeah. None. Not not a single flag. I I, I, I was just kind I of I mean at, stunned. at least put up the appearances, right? Go through the process. Whether you believe it or not, I mean that's pretty blatant. You know? I mean that's was, pretty blatant. Between all of the, the the, you don't have to wear the American flag pins. You know the the Republicans do that. I'm not saying that's good, bad, indifferent. You you do you do what you feel, right? But but here you on. are. You're 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 one of two political parties in the country, and there is no American flag to be seen near on the stage at all near any of the candidates in any way, shape, or form. And yet you want to be the president of a country whose flag you can't even put on the stage. It, it just... You wonder what flag they would have been okay with. I can think of a couple. I mean, considering Bill de Blasio was quoting Che Guevara in Miami, of all places, that was a good move. Yeah. That was, that's because, you know, there are many descendants, uh, many, yeah, many Cuban-Americans and many that have okay. come here that are descendants of... Those that came over here from Cuba that are big Che fans. Okay, so Cuba's flag. All right. Well, we know that many of the Democratic candidates have socialistic viewpoints. Oh, absolutely. But the old there, hammer and sickle. Well, okay. Right, do we want to bring back the USSR flag and you know Bernie can parade around it and 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 what have you? You know, I don't know. Should we try that? I'll tell you what. You wonder. You really wonder. Yeah, well, it if, does. If, if, it really you, makes you wonder how proud of being an American are they? How much do they really love the country they want to lead? And there's no flag to be seen anywhere. I mean, that, that's a fair question to ask. You can hate with all your fiber and being the current president if you want. That's fine. That's It's a free country for now. You can do that. And so... For now. For now. <laughs> but it's still the country, right? Even if you have a differing viewpoint about how we should run it, it's still the United States of America. Last I checked. For now. Yeah. For now. Well, until old Bernie Breadline Sanders gets his spot in the Oval Office. Oh and then God. That is not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at all in any way, shape, or form. No, no, no. He, uh, And the more and more I think about it, I know we're up against the clock, Bernie and Biden are both going to have a hard time, I think. More. Second hour. Next.